Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great to have you with us today. I am in Chicago where Penn State will take on DePaul tonight. 9 o'clock will be the tip off, 8.30 the airtime tonight. And uh, also, we've had to make a few adjustments <laughs> with the snow. So tell me, um, so tell me how things are there right now, Sean. Because obviously, my concerns about you, I'm fine. I mean, I'm just sitting in a hotel. Afternoon to you. Yeah, the snow here in the central Susquehanna Valley. Well, I shouldn't say snow, but right before 11 o'clock this morning. It started out about the first 30, 45 minutes, at least outside our Blue Hill studios. A little bit of sleet mixed in with snow. But then by a little after 11.30, uh, flipped over to snow, and it has not stopped since. So we're uh, into this thing for a little over, a little over four, four and a half hours now. Wow. Yep, quite a few closings yep. already. Uh, a lot of businesses and banks have uh, mailed it in and uh, closing down a little earlier. So you can check they out should. our... They should. Yep. They should. It's good for the employees and the customers. Yep. So check out our Winternet page at WKOK.com. We have been constantly updating that uh, here throughout the day. Uh, we did catch word a little while ago, a uh, sports-related note, the District 4 AA championship game between Mount Carmel and Southern Columbia, that was supposed to be tomorrow night. That has been moved to Saturday night at 7 at Southern Columbia. Okay. I'll wave at them on the way by. I know you will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the adjustment for me is this. Um, I was scheduled to fly back tonight with the basketball team and get back, I don't know, about, I'd say, 2, 2.30 in the morning. And, you know, I talked to the guys at the University Park Airport last night before I got on the charter and came out here. And and it's part of it, too, is, you know, because it's United, you know, O'Hare is where they go in and out of, not Midway. So it's a long trip. Uh, first of all, you taxi forever. We taxied for 25 minutes last night. Now, it's, it's not the first time that's ever happened here. It's just the way it is. Um, but, you know... I think we left a little bit after 7, and I actually walked in my room at 10 last night. So it's not a short trip. And so I was supposed to get back about 2.30, maybe 3 in the morning, walk in the house, something like that. That's fine. And then turn around and supposed to be on the bus at 11 tomorrow for football. So I talked to the guys at the airport last night. They said, well, no, if we can keep up with it, you know, we'll keep the place open and blah, blah, you know. And, of course, there's been a constant communication with the airport about what's going on. But in the end, United makes the decision, not the airport. If United decides, hey, that's it, and they want to take you to Pittsburgh, they take you to Pittsburgh. I know I've been on it many times before, and I've had many of those times where we've gone to Pittsburgh. Um. You know, they're just trying to be safe. I got that. That's, you know, that's their job. They're the experts. 
So I got up this morning and looked at the forecast, and I, well, I was like, geez, you know what? I'm pretty uncomfortable looking at this because I was looking at the premium hourly because through the radio station I have the ability to get in there and, and log in and do that. So I'm looking at it this morning, and it's showing, okay, maybe around midnight it stops for a little bit, but then there's this burst of heavy snow at 2, 3, and 4 in the morning. Well, that's about the time we're supposed to come in and land. Now, this is, of course, taking into account, have they already cleared off everything before the burst? And that can't be easy. You know, and these guys work really, really hard, really hard. But you have to ask those questions. And I, I became uncomfortable with it. And Dick Girardi is flying from Newark in here, which he's here. I just saw Dick already just before the show started. And Dick said, he said, there was nobody on my flight originally. He said, but because they started canceling flights in Newark, he says, my flight in here was packed. You know, and they've, they've been canceling flights at Newark today. Well, tomorrow that's not going to be the case in all likelihood. And Dick said to me, I, I, I got a hold of him this morning. I said, hey, look, I said, I said what, you know, I said, what's, what's the forecast there? And, you know, I said, I said, and here are my options. I go back with the team and take a shot at it. I said, but in all likelihood, I think if they fly into Pittsburgh, I'm going to have to end up driving myself to Rutgers. I said, I said, or I said, I can get on your flight and go back with you and just go right to New Jersey. And he said, geez, I think that's the best play. So I said, you know what, the heck with this. And I got a hold of Learfield, and I said, hey, look, you know, you know, do I have, you know, can I do this? And they said, yeah, absolutely. So what I did was I booked myself an 8.30 flight out of here tomorrow morning from Midway to Newark. And then from there, I'll take the train to New Brunswick and uh, and go from there. You know, I can go take the train to New Brunswick and then probably get an Uber to take me to the hotel or something. You know what I mean? Uh, and that's that's how I'm going to play it tomorrow. Now that means uh, we'll do the show in New Jersey tomorrow. So, yeah. so we're you know this trains, planes, and automobiles. Hey, <laughs> we're all fine. Great movie. Getting yeah. into that time of the season to throw it on the old Blu-ray. Well, you know what? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think when you live it, you really don't want to watch it. <laughs> when you live it, no, nah, I don't really want to watch it. Uh, but um, yeah, that's uh, so that that's the game plan tomorrow because I've got to get myself in there in time to to do that game, and then I'll just come back on the football uh, put the football team in the bus and go from there. So that's the game plan. Those are the changes we had to make. So that made the, the morning at least more exciting. Donnie Collins is going to be on the show today. Looking forward to hearing from Donnie. The King is on today. Maybe we get back to back days of the King. What do you think? I will run it past him. I don't think that don't think that'll be a problem. Well, I don't think he'll object. No, no. He'll probably look forward to it. You know, the management's going to be sitting there saying. Maybe we have Steve on as the guest. <laughs> you can do that next year on April Fool's Day. Yeah. Do a show flip. Yeah, a little show flip, see what happens. <laughs> yeah, we'll flip. We'll we'll flip you out for the suit. There you go. And we'll have Kevin. We'll, Kevin and, and we'll Kevin put it on at eight thirty, and we'll have on the mark on three to five. <laughs> 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 like, huh? 
<laughs> Wait a minute. I just heard McGranahan and uh, Lawrence arguing at, at 435. What the heck? <laughs> I'm all messed up. <laughs> I'm all messed up. I'm all messed up. Uh, yeah. So that's what we got going on there. But we'll talk to Donnie about Penn State football. Is Donnie 335 today? Does that sound right? Yes. Okay, good. So we'll talk with him. I always like talking to Donnie. He does a great job. And then after that, uh, we're going to do like one more little mini test here on our on our Mexico plan, which we don't have no idea whether it's going to work or not until I'm actually physically there. <laughs> well, well, we have come up with a plan. <laughs> we think it's good. And uh, we'll have one more test of that, and then I'm supposed to be on some talk show with the Rutgers Student Station or like their pregame show or something. And then uh, then it's time to go over and do the game. Come back here, pack up, get on a get on a cab or a shuttle or something that gets me out of here at uh, 6 in the morning and gets me out to Midway. Maybe I'll leave at 5.30. Get out to Midway in time and make sure I'm on the plane. Then next step. <laughs> that young lady from Midwest High School asking questions. <laughs> Well, I think I think it was like how much money I got, right? Yes. She was curious if we if we were the ones that had to pay for you to do the play by play on the network. <laughs> Roger raised his hands. Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> it was like that time the flight attendant Penn State lost a game one hundred and three to fifty to Navy. David Robinson and Navy. Flight attendants on the on the plane. And it's really nice, but very effervescent. I said, "Hi, hi, hi!" And these guys are all hanging their heads down to their knees. She's, "What's wrong?" And I was sitting there when she said it. And the you know, typical announcer speak. I said, "Well, didn't go very well tonight." <laughs> and she says, "Are you the coach?" I said, "God, no." All right, but we'll come back with more in a moment. As we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. All right, in Chicago on this absolutely gorgeous day, and Dick in Milton joins us. Dick, how have you been? It's great to hear from you. Uh, I'm good, but we're it's snowing like the beach in the bend here. It's really snowing hard. So, so you're saying well, I may have made the right choice by getting the direct flight to Newark. Well, then get back. <laughs> you can get back. Here's, here's my thing. You know how people get up if a, in the beginning of the season if a team yeah. like, well, I like to use Bucknell, if it loses a game or two by a couple points, and Villanova loses by 27 last night. Can right. you imagine how their fans must be? Well, obviously, I mean, when it, for Villanova, basketball's the whole show. Right. I understand so, that. And because it's the whole show, for them that is a a that's the knuckles are are white today. It's a meat grinder for them. Uh, I'm not surprised Michigan won the game. I wouldn't have been surprised if Villanova won. Michigan, I I've already had thought was the preseason favorite in the Big Ten anyway because they've, they've got so much back. So I'm not surprised they won, but I am shocked at the margin by which they won. I didn't look and see where Villanova was actually, what kind of a uh, team they had returned and where they were projected to, to be. I mean, without I mean, looking, I didn't look this morning. 
mean, they came in ranked eighth in the country, so obviously they came in with a pretty good rep. I know I'm going to be talking to Dana O'Neill in a couple of weeks, and Dana covers a lot of Villanova basketball, so I'm going to get a better read from her because she's seen Villanova play in person a couple times this year. But the only thing I can I mean, say is I've watched Villanova basketball for a lot of years, and I've never seen them getting get beat by anybody like ever. That and they and they maybe have, but I've never seen it. No, so. look, obviously a great team, great program, and you know, and sometimes you get into one of those nights you can't hit shots. I didn't see the game because I was flying when the game was being played. I remember when we landed, Jeff Tarman took the phone and he he put it up over the seat. <laughs> it was seventy three to forty six. I said, I said, my goodness. I was shocked when I saw it. Again, I would not have been surprised if Michigan won the game like 73-72 to 72 or whatever, or Villanova won 73-72. The shocking part to me is the 27. That part, that's a, that sends shockwaves when you see that. And the other thing that was kind of interesting last night, a Division three game, Fitchburg up in Massachusetts. The kid, one of the kids, made a corner shot, a three from the corner. Yeah, the guy ran out on him and clotheslined him. Right, I mean, head high, yeah. boom. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, I, where does that come from? I have no idea where I've that never, kind of mentality comes from. Yeah, that he was a football player. Never had. I don't even know what it was all about. I don't even know. I just can't imagine where he's where they're going to go with that because that's just, that's that's just not tolerable. I mean, literally, he took his head off. I mean, <laughs> All right, I mean, Steve, enjoy your game out, your time out, and uh, see you back in uh, State College, I guess. We'll yeah, see you. I look, yeah, I look forward to it, Dick. Thanks so much. Bye. Yeah, he makes a good point. I mean, last night, and the Fitchburg thing, what the hell? What are you doing? I mean, I'm sorry. That's not how the game, like any, there's no no games played like that. In football. You know, football. Yeah, it's... Oh, boy. And that's a basketball game where that happens. I mean, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be tolerated in hockey. It wouldn't happen in soccer because the guy would flop before he got hit. But, I mean, you know. Yeah, can you imagine if Tom Wilson of the Washington Capitals did that? <laughs> How many games he'd get knocked out? Yeah. 20? Half a probably, season? Yeah, yeah, half the season probably if they did that. Wow. Uh <laughs> Mike Oresco broke ranks with uh, his conference commissioners and talked openly about an eight-game playoff. I know I'm going to get into that before the show is over with today. Probably talk about that more in the 406 half hour because Donnie Collins is coming up at 335. Uh, and looking forward to talking to Donnie about Penn State football, get his thoughts. So many of the young players for Penn State football, you're now hitting week 11. Now you've got a pretty good read on who's getting better. Menet's getting better. Hamler's getting better. Dotson's getting better. Fryermuth's getting better. Now you're starting to look at these guys. I think Hippenhammer's been able to get better along the way. I think that uh, uh, you look at um, Gross Matos getting better. Um, Micah Parsons absolutely is getting better. Micah Parsons is giving all that look. He's going to be a big-time player here. Uh, but you look at him getting better. Uh, you look at P.J. Uh, Mustafer coming off his best game. He's getting better. You see Windsor getting better. Givens is coming off a great game. I think Cam Brown's getting better. Garrett Taylor's been getting better the entire time. You know, even a guy like John Reed, that John's a junior, 
But I think some people think that, okay, after being out 16, 18 months, you know, all you do is you flip a switch and suddenly you're back to who you were again. Well, it took him a little bit, but now John Reed's playing even better than he did before he got the injury. But it took him a few weeks to get there. Now he's playing better. Pinnegar is kicking better. So all these young players that you're seeing for Penn State are getting better in this stretch run. Now, Justin Shorter uh, will be available. And Shorter is a player I can see in the last month. You know, after a while, I was kind of like watching him. and say, okay, Shorter's doing his deal. Okay, all right, okay. But now the last three, four weeks, now I've started to see him climb the ladder. Now I'm starting to see him play better and better and better. And uh, he'll play this week. Uh And then he'll have one game left, so that would be the bowl game. Daniel George probably will play next week. Then he'll have one game left, the bowl game. Uh, A a young player like Jason Owe. Owe has two games available to him. Owe has been so impressive in practice. And I'll tell you, another young player has been really impressive in practice, and that's Trent Gordon. So, I mean, uh, we're at that time of the year where are your young players getting better? Penn State has a long list of guys that are getting better. That's what I find that's impressive. That's good. That's good player development. And it also is, is a credit to the young men that are out there getting it done. Donnie Collins will get his thoughts on that in just a few moments. We're in Chicago, where tonight the Nittany Lions take on DePaul in the Gavick games. Big Ten versus Big East. Win Trust Arena. Arena number 146 now, Sean. And the list gets longer. Next week, Cancun. That'll be 147. I can guarantee you've never been there. And still trying to catch up with Girardi. <laughs> I can't. Everyone I'm at, he's there too. SMC is where you want to be for your next new F-150 and everything starting with E. Make 2018 a November to remember with savings up to $13,000 on your next new Ford F-150. Sunbury Motors has F-150s starting at $25,669. All SUVs starting with the letter E will plummet in price for SMC's November to remember. 67 Ford Escapes, 23 EcoSports, 22 Explorers, all at one location. Brand new Ford Escape starting at an unheard of 17820. If you haven't looked into the all new Ford EcoSport, now is the time. 2019 Ford EcoSport started 19880. SMC has the SUV that started it all, the Ford Explorer, for under 32 grand. Hurry in now to SMC so you can show off your brand new Ford at Thanksgiving dinner or to your buddies at Deer Camp. Sunbury Motors in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, here in Chicago. And then uh, making the decision to stay here tonight, at least I did, and then fly directly to Newark tomorrow morning. Thought it was the best play. As uh, Penn State plays DePaul tonight, and then it's Rutgers on Saturday. Very pleased to be joined by one of the best, and that is Donnie Collins, Scranton Times Tribune. Donnie, it's always a pleasure to have you back on. Always a pleasure to be here, Steve. 
All right. Uh, I was talking earlier in the show about when you get to this particular week of the season, you're at week 11, you start looking around at some of the younger players and you ask yourself, are you seeing the younger players getting better? So I'll ask you, Donnie, do you feel like the younger players that you're watching Penn State, are they getting better? I think so. I mean, it's certainly you take them individually. I think Micah Parsons is getting a lot better. He's he's becoming a very productive player. And I mean, you could you could put him in the conversation that that, that he should be starting some games. So I I would say you know at the beginning of the year, a guy trying to get by on his talent, um, his raw ability. Now he's he's looking more and more like a linebacker, which is really impressive considering he was a the defensive end a year ago so I, I i would say he's getting a lot better obviously dotson's come in and, and and done some great things at receiver um you know it's yeah Penniger, another guy i mean he's, he's kicked four 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 five forty yard field goals i think it is in the last yes. three games so he, he's, he's getting a lot better so um yeah i i think the, the guys we've seen that are starting to play a little bit have, uh, have played well. Uh, uh, Franklin mentioned Mustafer uh, at defensive tackle. I went back. I had to go back and look at that on, on the you know, when I rewatched the game. And yeah, he certainly he certainly did. You know, kind of play your your typical Penn State defensive tackle game. So, so I, I do I do think there's there's been a lot of improvement from the younger players. And you know, and and that's really to me the story of the, the season right now is as you head toward you know down the home stretch here is that the Penn State's future looks pretty bright. And let me add in a couple of other guys to that, Donnie, that, you know, they wouldn't be freshmen, but Michael Mennett at center and Yitor Grossmatos, a redshirt sophomore and a true sophomore, and what they've been able to do. Yeah, they've been great. I forgot Fryer Muth, too, but he's, he's kind of an obvious oh, one. But, but yeah, right, Mennett's yeah. been, yeah. <laughs> Mennett's been a, a lot better, I, I think. I, you know, at the beginning of the year, I, I thought it really took some time for them to, to kind of communicate a little bit better with the new center and 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 then i don't think that you know the the first game with appalachian state with that three four defense i don't think that was a a great matchup in hindsight for for a new a new center but but he but he's learned i mean they played the three four pretty well last week i thought that was the offensive line's best game so i i, I you know really like what Bennett's done and uh Eter doesn't surprise me so much it's maybe the production does but he got halfway through his his sophomore season here he started playing a bunch and that, that's when I really expected to see him playing better. And I, did I expect him to be one of the best pass rushing defensive ends in the Big Ten? Probably not. But you know, he's he certainly had that reputation coming out of high school, and you know, he's to me been the biggest difference on the team. It, two, two guys really, him, and I, and I think Givens. I, 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 Givens is playing lights out. He's not getting any numbers to, to back it up. And Franklin mentioned it, but I, you know, I kind of said it on Twitter the last couple of weeks that it really looks like Givens is is causing a lot of problems and drawing a lot of attention for offensive lines, which which really opens things up for guys like Etor and uh, and Sharif Miller and, and Shaka. Yeah, and that's something that I think sometimes isn't taken into account. You can sometimes have a player that creates a domino effect, and Givens has been creating a domino effect. Yeah, I mean they're not all Austin Johnson, where you're you, know, you got a guy who's yeah. just racking up sacks at that position. You know, a lot of them are you know, guys who are occupying blockers, and you know, it's you, know, you guys you have to as an offense run away from. And Givens, I think, has been that kind of guy, especially in the running game. I've seen a lot of guys kind of running the opposite way, because because Givens is the penetration he's getting is so good, and that's you know whoever's 
whoever's playing away from Givens is you know, he knows they got to clean up that mess, and they, and they're they're doing it pretty well. So I, I think I think it's opened up for stuff for up for him, and and I, that's really to me part of the reason Windsor had such a big game last week is because they had they commanded so much attention on on Kevin Givens. I completely agree with that. Now I want to get back to Fryermuth because you slipped him in there at the at the end of that part and said, yeah, because it seems like he's such an obvious. What's made him an obvious? Uh, I think he's the most complete tight end they've had. And as, as much as as, as big a part of everything as Gasicki was for, for such a long time, he, he wasn't a great blocker. He, he admits that he wasn't. You know, he, in, in the run game, he wasn't always a plus. I think Fryermuth is. He, he's really physically been a lot better than you see most true freshmen at any position. You know, he, he's essentially got to play a little bit of offensive line. And, and, and to be a complete tight end, you got to do that, obviously. And you know, he, he's he's been able to stand up in the running game, be physical at the line of scrimmage. And for you know, sometimes you see a freshman tight end come in and do that. Wisconsin used to have they used to play true freshmen all the time at tight end. We had a few out of our area who went up there and played, but they were they were mostly blockers. And I think what Fryermuth has been able to do is he's been able to push the ball down the field. He, he's not just one of those guys catching the ball three yards off the off the line of scrimmage, moving the chains that way. He, he, he's stretching the middle of the field. So I, I, I think the, the sky's the limit for him. They, they've got some really good tight ends on this on this team and in this program. But you know, Fryermuth has been a guy that's really kind of kept the offense going when, when they haven't had a receiver who's really stretched the field vertically, outside of Hamler, who's really done it, um, you know, catching those short throws and then running. Because when you look at, for example, Justin Shorter, Eventually, fans will see Daniel George. Those are two bigger receivers. Outside of them, and of course, Jawan Johnson, who's been hurt, they haven't had a lot of big targets. Fryermuth has given McSorley a bigger target to throw to and a bigger catch radius to work with. Yes, and and I think the thing with McSorley is that as brilliant as he is, as great as he is, his his real strength is being able to to, to give a, a bigger guy a chance to make a play. He did it with. He really always did it with Gasicki. Um, you know, I think Blacknall was—he's a, he's a bigger guy. I mean, he wasn't a yes. You know, he's, he's not six foot four, but he can go up and get the ball, and he can play like that. And Blacknall was able to make a, a bunch of big plays, at, you know, at times during his career. Um, he would have been, a, you know, Geno Lewis when he was—he would have been a great, great receiver for uh, for, for McSorley because McSorley was right. able to to put the ball up there. But but I think Fryermuth does give them that. And, and if you look at, you know, I, I think that would be my one knock on the way the, the Penn State receiving core is built as they're using it right now is they just don't have a lot of bigger guys, especially with, with Jawan out. But, but Shorter's going to give them that in the future. Jawan's going to give them that in the future. I, I, I think he'll rebound and have a nice season next year. But I, I think this, this receiving core is going to look a lot different next year, and it's going to make Hamler better because he's going to be used really in, in different ways that, that, that he should be used that better suit his skill set. So I, I think that this group is trending up, even though you know right now really in, in that one role that's really been so key for the quarterback, it, it, it's Fryer moves that's kind of carrying that. Last year there were reasons why Fry's played left and Bates played right, and that was the starting lineup in the Fiesta Bowl. This time they flip-flopped him for the Wisconsin game, putting Fries on the left and Bates on the right. What did you think about the move? <laughs> That's a great question. I thought it worked. I, I really liked it. And what I liked about it most, because I think Bates could play anywhere. You could put Bates at any position on that line, and he's going to be a good player. And what, what I liked about it was, you know, Bates is now on the right side next to McGovern, 
And I really thought they had a lot of success running that way because yeah. now now you look at it, you got you got a, a really good tackle in Bates uh, McGovern, who he's kind of a he's kind of a momentum player. When he gets it going, he gets it going. And, you know, if it starts early for him and, and, and the momentum builds, he he could be a dominant run blocker. And then Menit there, so you got those three guys who are who are really dominant when when they when they you know get it going on the same side. So I like that. But I thought it was interesting that Franklin said that didn't work out as well as they wanted to this on, on Tuesday. That was kind of shocking. And you know, I, I mean, I think I know why that they did it. I mean, it's you know probably with you know health wise gets fries out there. But I, I, you know, I kind of liked Fry's at left tackle last year, and, and I, I really watched you know how they did against Wisconsin, and I thought they played well. But, but I, I don't, I'm not sure the the staff totally agrees. All right. Okay. Uh, I want to get to Nick Scott. Now, to flip it to the other side. He's gonna he's, he'll be one of the five guys on the two deep that you know won't be here next year. And you think about it, that's amazing. There are five guys on mm-hmm. the two deep that are true seniors. That's it. Scott, in each of the last three wins, has an interception. He also has a fumble recovery. He's blocked a kick. What about his play down the stretch? I, I think he's. I think his play all year has been pretty good. He, you know, it's it's difficult when he, well, a lot of people recruited him as a defensive player, so so that that the talent was there for that. But a lot of times when you start at one position and move, it, it just it just takes a while. And Penn State's had really good safeties, so I'm, I'm not really sure how you know if this. You know, if it happened quick for Nick or, or, or not, but I, I think you know the, the old saying is you know good you know, players who are who are prepared and and players who you know you don't you don't just find the ball accidentally. I mean, so, so he, he's been right. he's been getting the ball his way and making the most of those plays. And I think he, he he's been looking like an offensive player to me, catching the ball and you know be, being in the right spot and, and reading where where he should be. I thought the the interception against Iowa was, was sneaky good. I mean, he, he, that's a that, that's a that's a spot where they have to have that that play, and he he read that right from the, you know, right from the start. So, but I, I really like the way he's played. He's, he brings really good athleticism back there. He could play the run better than you'd think, and you know, I I, I just I, I think he he brings a, a spirit to that to that uh, defensive backfield that that maybe people kind of don't understand, but they all seem to to really rally around him. I think what's happened to also help Nick Scott is that. Garrett Taylor's become become a nice compliment where Scott now just has to worry about what he's doing because he knows Taylor has his other spot down pat. Yeah, Taylor's been really good. I, I another guy, you know, I, I don't those Penn State safeties. Last year they were, you know, Apke obviously had a really great season, and Marcus Allen was was Marcus Allen. But I didn't think that they were going to lose all that much with these two guys. I, I like Taylor. I, th- I thought he was a a good backup all his years, but he's he's making a lot of plays too. I mean, these, these guys, they do have a nose for the football, and you know, he, you know Taylor's made some in a couple in the losses. I mean, if, you know they they win one or two of those games, he's he's one of the heroes. So I, yeah. I, I think his his first season as a starter has been been really great, and you know I I, I, w- I would expect that they'll that he'll, that he'll be a, a really big player for the next year. Amani Oyuarie came up with another interception against Wisconsin. And then John Reed over the last four or five weeks. What kind of kind of uh, corner play has Penn State been getting? Oh, it's, it's been it's been really good. I mean, I, I think Reed you know Reed really started to turn around about about yeah. midseason, obviously. And it, when, when the thing with Reed, and I, I think you'll agree, is he wasn't playing very physically in the in the first couple of weeks. And that's not his game. He's just not. Right. A, he's a, he's just a physical player. He's strong. Yep. He's in your face. 
he's he's great against the run. And what you know, and and, and I thought that's probably me related. I mean, it, honestly, in, in the back of his mind, it it's, it, it, it it has to be there. You, you haven't you haven't played in a couple of years. You've gone through something with with, with your health and. You know, this this is this is basically getting your feet wet. But but once he once he let it go, you know, and, and, and was able to, you know, kind of, you know, I don't want to say forget that, but learn you know, learn in his own mind that it, that it didn't matter anymore that he was healthy and and that he could play the, the way he normally played. I think he went out there and played really well, and and I think that's made Amani better. I mean, Orori, I think, you know, sec, first half of the year I thought he was pretty good. He came up. I didn't, I didn't think he played a great game in the in the opener with. With Appalachian State, even though he came up with the interception, but he's been lights out ever since. He's taken some pretty good receivers and blanketed them. Um, has he has he gotten beat sometimes? Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, he's and I, and I hear fans say, "Well, if he's he's an NFL prospect, how's he getting beat every once in a while?" Well, that's the position. That's 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 what cornerbacks do. They they you know sometimes they get beat. The other guys are on scholarship. The other guys are good, but but I don't think he's gotten beat so often. And and, and I re- I really think that. You know, some of this, you know, with, with the defensive line getting a little bit more pressure on, on quarterbacks in recent weeks is, is because that there's really nowhere for, for quarterbacks to throw pretty regularly now. Or Warrior is definitely an NFL guy to me, um, bigger guy, really, really playing, I think, his best football at Penn State right now. So, you know, it, it, and, and, and I do credit Reed for a lot of that because yes. as soon as Reed started playing a lot more physically, so did Amani. And, and that stuff some, does sometimes rub off. Donnie, how do you view this Rutgers game? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I it's it's tough because Rutgers I mean, they really can't throw the ball, and and this is probably their, I would say the of the of the last you know of the Big Ten era for them. This is probably their worst passing offense. And you want to go back and look at the last two years; they haven't had a hundred yards total against Penn State throwing the ball. So I don't know what to expect for them in this game. I, but I'll, I'll tell you this: Penn State has to build off the Wisconsin game. Just you know, it, 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 this is one of those games where you kind of you, you don't take Rutgers for granted because they've been in some games. They you know they, they did enough against Michigan. They ran the ball well. It makes you realize you know if they if they could do that again, they could stay in the game. And maybe this is a team that that uh, is just looking to stay in a game at this point. And and, and and is begging to stay in a game, and maybe this is the week they stay in one, and and who knows what happens if they could do that. But I, I think if you're if you're Penn State, you're just trying to play better than you did last week, which was maybe the best game you've played. And you you, you play a little game with yourself and kind of build off that. Um, I, I I think they'll be able to run the football pretty well. Um, I, I you know but the one thing I think with Rutgers. That that they could have a little bit of a a chance here with is those those young receivers against that secondary. That secondary is pretty experienced and pretty pretty big and and, and pretty uh, pretty lanky. So I, I I think they could play okay in the secondary, but it, it'll it'll be a good test there if, if for, for those young receivers. But I, I don't think this is a game Penn State could play half their ability and lose. But I, I, I think for them to feel good about it, they got to they got to go out there and play better than they did against Wisconsin. One thing it will be senior day, so there'll be the emotion of that for Rutgers. So to me, Donnie, the game is in the first quarter and a half. Have you taken away their will to win? If you can yeah. do that, then you put yourself in the, in the position to to coast home from there. So to me, the first quarter and a half will be all about the ability to try and take away their will to win. And if you don't, then they gain confidence by hanging in there. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And if you, I mean, last year's game, first quarter and a half, it was six nothing Rutgers. Now that game was at Beaver Stadium. Penn State didn't panic. Penn State turned it around. Yeah, if it's six nothing Rutgers with you know ten minutes to go in the second quarter in you know in New Jersey, uh, maybe a little different story because you know that that's always that's always an interesting crowd there. I mean, they, they get yeah. they get up for this game. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot of Pennsylvania guys on the Rutgers team. A lot of New Jersey guys on the Penn State team who who were rivals with some of the the New Jersey players on the, on the Rutgers team. So I, I, you, you do have to kind of get the emotion out of it. You kind of have to go out and make a, a statement early. And what, what, what I'm kind of envisioning, you know, for Penn State, what, what, what would they think is a, you know, is an acceptable performance? And, and I'm certainly not saying the final score has to look good. But go out and do what you did against Maryland last year. Go control the game from the start. Make some big plays. Take them right out of the game. And, and, and make it kind of a, an afternoon where you're okay playing some of your backups for the second half. Donnie, it's always a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. All right, Steve, I'll be there. Donnie Collins, Scranton Times Tribune. We'll come back with more in a moment. We're in Chicago where Penn State gets ready for DePaul tonight in basketball. Brought to you by good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. A News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, great to talk with Donnie Collins. Get into a couple of issues in the next half hour, then some picks with the King at uh, 435. Uh, next half hour, I want to talk about uh, it's something Mark D'Antonio brought up uh, repeatedly when they came to Beaver Stadium. Uh, I had a chance to talk with some of the Michigan State people and how upset he was that Penn State was not their last game of the season. And I think he's got not just a good point, but an excellent point, which I want to get into. And uh, I also want to get into Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, about expanding the college football playoff. And I think there's a lot of, you know, I've always been one that has felt that four, and, you know, yeah, I've talked repeatedly about less is more. Uh, which I've tried to explain to certain individuals when it comes to the high school football roundtable. Uh, I'll stop laughing. And, you know, less is more. So I've looked at that four and said, okay, keep it there. But now I'm wondering about the logistics of how this has played out now that we have more of a, um, uh, you know, more data in place. We've seen how it plays out. And maybe we need to consider a move to eight. How would they do it? Why would they do it? What would it mean? So we'll talk about that in the next half hour. Because I think Michigan State should be the last game. But it's also a topic that I I probably should have brought up a month ago because Mark D'Antonio has been furious about the fact that the Penn State-Michigan State is not the last game. And I'll explain the reasons why I think it should be. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.